114. And before I read the psalm, I actually want to read this um, paragraph from this commentary. It's, it's Know Your Bible Series Psalms by W. Graham Scroge. I reference this often. It's an old book that Pastor Hogue gave me, an old set. And uh, I found them extremely helpful in my way through the psalms. And uh, this paragraph that he includes here, he includes a lot of quotes by other theologians about this psalm. And I think it helps us, even as we come to reading it this evening, to understand the beauty in the poetry of this psalm. So he says this, All are agreed that it is one of the most beautiful odes ever to be written. A. Cohen said, This psalm is a lyric of surpassing beauty. In construction and language, it is among the finest in the Psalter. A. McLaren said, uh, It would be, would be a consummate, the writer would be a consummate artist if he were not something much better. The limpid clearness, the eloquent, eloquent brevity of the psalm are not much more obvious than its masterly structure. This psalm is a little gem. A.F. Kirkpatrick said, This exquisite little poem treats a familiar subject with consummate artistic skill and singular freshness uh, and force. For, per for perfection of form and dramatic vividness, it is almost, if not quite, unrivaled in the Psalms. J.J.S. Peroni said this, This is perhaps the most beautiful of all the Psalms which touch on the early history of Israel. It is certainly the most graphic and most striking in the boldness of its outlines. And then C.H. Spurgeon says, True poetry has here reached its climax. No human mind has ever been able to equal, much less to excel, the grandeur of this psalm. And it is a beautiful psalm as you work your way through it. There is so much imagery, so much symmetry. Uh, and so we will read the psalm, we'll pray, and then we'll jump in. Psalm 114. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of a strange language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back. O mountains, that you skipped like rams, O little hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water and the flint into a fountain. Of waters. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the beauty of this psalm. So simple, repeating a story that we have heard a million times over, and yet so deep. I pray that we would be refreshed as we study this, that we would be reminded of you, our God, of your great power your love, and your care for your own. We pray that you'd be honored in all that we say and do this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. It is clear from working our way through this psalm, the Psalm 114 is explicitly related to the Exodus. Hopefully you kind of caught that language as we were working our way through the psalm. Talking about Israel as they come out of Egypt, as the Lord leads them across the sea, across the Jordan, to the mountains that, that quake as the Lord comes among his people. 
The psalmist here deals with that in beautiful poetic language. In fact, throughout the psalm you will notice that the earth here is personified. It is is said to have fled, the sea fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, little hills like lambs, even to the point here where, where the psalmist asks questions of these things. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? Why did you you flee from the Lord? Why did you, Jordan, turn back? Why did you, mountain, skip like rams? Why did you do this? He's personifying these things. And really what we see here is that creation is personified as a model worshiper, T.D. Alexander says, obeying the bidding of the Lord. It starts out with the Exodus itself. When Israel went out of Egypt... We're jumping here into the story of the Exodus. We know the story of the Exodus as God's people are slaves in Egypt. They've been there for 400 years. That's a long time, 400 years. The house of Jacob from the people of a strange language, they've been slaves in Egypt, and yet the Lord led them out. Israel went out of Egypt. So plainly stated, and yet such a great work of God. And it is this very work that the psalm then goes on to explore. How did God do this? How did he lead his people out of Egypt? He led them across the sea. He led them by the mountains. He led them into the promised land. As the Lord led them out, Judah became his sanctuary, verse 2 says. Israel, his dominion. God dwelt in the midst of his people. They are his people. He has taken possession of them. He is leading them. In fact, one of the uh, poetic things that you'll note in this psalm is there's a bit of tension that is building. The name of the Lord is not mentioned until verse 7. All it says, starting here in verse 2, is Judah became his sanctuary. He did this. He did this. And it's kind of building the tension. Who is this? Who is this from whom the seas flee? From whom the Jordan turns back? From whom the mountains skip like rams? Who is this? What we see in verse 2 is that he's in the midst of his people. He dwells with them. They've become his sanctuary. And then we really get into the more well-known parts of the Exodus. Verse 3, the sea saw it and fled. The, the sea sees God among this people. We know the story of the Red Sea as the people stand there, sandwiched between the sea and Pharaoh's army. And there's seemingly no hope of escape. They are doomed. And then God leads Moses to take his staff to walk out in the water's part. And they walk across on dry land. How vividly that is seen here. The seas, they see it. They see that this is God, that this is his people, that this is his purpose, and they obey, they part. Again, the the psalmist here is not going in the order that this happened in history, because he talks there, and then kind of along with the sea, the Jordan too turned back. When they got to the edge, to the Jordan, to the edge of the promised land. 
Again, this people, they've been led all the way here, and then there's this river in the way. And then it parts. And they cross. Jumps back in time. The mountains skip like rams, the little hills like lambs. In Exodus 19:18, as God comes to Mount Sinai. In the darkness and the thunderings, as the mountains shake in the power and the presence of God. In verse 5 and 6, it's turned into kind of questions. It's almost as if the, the, the psalms is sitting down with creation itself and asking him these questions. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? Why is it that you did this? Why is it that you parted as if you were fleeing? Why is it, O Jordan, that you turned back? Why is it, O mountains, that you skipped like rams, hills like lambs? This does not happen. This is not normal. So what is it? Who is it that could cause creation to do this? Verse 7, tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord. That's who it is. It is the Lord God. Tremble in his presence. Tremble, the idea there is even, even trembling in, in fear, trembling in pain. Like almost like the, the pain of childbirth. Tremble as you fall down before this God. The power of his presence. The God of Jacob. He's the one who turned the rock into a pool of water and the flint into a fountain of waters. We see in Exodus 17, 5 and 6. As God makes even water to come out of a rock. Is there anything that's impossible for our God? It's a simple psalm. Where the psalmist just sits there and he, he reflects on this one part of Israel's history, the Exodus. It's almost like, I don't know if you guys read a lot of Puritans, but they can take just one little phrase and write 300 word books on it. Just to meditate on that one little phrase over and over and over. And they don't say everything right, but <laughs> there's a lot of thought that goes in there. That's kind of the idea. He's just sitting here, he's just meditating on this one, one little piece of Israel's history. And oh, how it proclaims the power and the greatness of God. Who is this God to whom even creation trembles? Who is this God that the, to whom the sea draws back in obedience? The Jordan flees, the mountains quake, and the rocks pour out water. Who is this God? He is the Lord, the God of Israel. And brothers and sisters, by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, he is our God as well. And we rejoice in that. Because his power is not limited to this one time in history. He is creator God. He is sovereign God. He is as much in control today as he was then. The winds and the waves still know his name. They still bow to his will. 
So brothers and sisters, even as we look at this psalm, stand in awe of your great God. Let it be an encouragement to you in the middle of this week. I don't know what's on your heart. I don't know all of the things that you are dealing with, the fears, the struggles, the pains. But in this psalm, I'm reminded of how great my God is. I'm reminded that there is nothing that gets in the way of his will. No ocean, no river, no mountain. He even makes water to come from rocks for his people. He's a sovereign God and he's in control. And so take comfort. Stand in awe of your God and take comfort. Even as you reflect on this little tiny picture into Israel's history this evening. And with that, we're going to take some prayer requests. And we are going to go to the Lord, the same powerful, almighty God. We're going to go to him in prayer. And in Christ, we are going to rejoice knowing that he hears our prayers. What privilege. What a privilege. A couple of prayer requests. Um, April reached out to me today, said that Gloria Humberg has surgery scheduled for next Wednesday, likely in the, the